I'm Carrie Ann. And I'm Allison. And this is Podcast Without an Audience. Where two friends pick two topics and find intersections. Or not. And I'm feeling crampy. Krampus. You're not, not feeling great? You know, it's weird. Like, I woke up this morning. I just, it's stomach cramp. It's just, like, stomach related. I don't know if it's, I ate Italian. Italian should be, like, It was delicious. Comfort food, though. It was so good. And I, I felt Italian. really good eating it. And this morning I woke up and it was like, what have you done? Was what it have you done? The super secret pasta recipe? No, it was not our pasta okay. recipe. I didn't poison myself. Okay, good. Um, so yeah, taking it easy. I got some peppermint tea over here. Aw. Rocking, uh, you know, some herbs. Cute. Yeah. Little old lady That's with your me. peppermint tea. That's me. Also, I'm pretty sure I'm wearing the exact same thing. I was wearing last time we recorded. It's not the gray sweatpants, <laughs> but it's like this season's equivalent. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm going to be very honest here. I know it has only been three days since I saw you last. I have no idea what you wore last time I saw you. To be fair, I don't really see very much of you, and you it's don't really, see very much of me. Yeah, it's the head. And our our podcast like posture style while we record is also unique because you kind of sit on your one of your butt like you sit on your hip i am currently sitting on my right hip i can see it yeah and um and then i like lean on and you lean the bed frame yeah and i put my arms on the bed you do so mm-hmm. anytime you hear the gunk it's me <laughs> <laughs> and i'm sorry every time we record and i hear that i'm like i have got to stop putting my arms on the bed well i think part of it is also that my my one leg falls asleep because oh, I'm yeah. sitting on the one butt cheek. So then I have to rearrange every, you know, 30 minutes or uh-huh. so. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And really what we're doing on the break in the midpoint is both of us are waking our feet back up. Shaking our legs out. Because yeah. this is not the most comfortable recording situation. I have no idea what you're talking about. This is the peak. This is the epitome <laughs> of professionalism. Our setup right here. You know, 2022, I feel like is going to be a new is going to come with a new podcasting setup. I think so. I think so. I hope so. I think we deserve it. I think we do too. Well, and we've got, um, you know, our Patreons are helping us purchase new mics soon. Oh, so yeah. that's that's fun. A um, wiggle going on. Huh? I said little shoulder wiggle going on. I'm Ooh, super excited. Oh, little dance. You can dance if you little want to. Little dance. Um, but yeah, I mean this so this week Ray and I do this thing occasionally where we go on realtor.com if we really want to get in a terrible mood about not being able to buy a house. Sure, yeah. And Sounds we like just, a real upper. I know. We just put ourselves in this, this little situation where we're like, oh, my God, this house is perfect. And then we're like, oh, wait, we're getting married and spending all of our money on this wedding. Right. And right. let's buy a house next year. Yeah. Yeah. So we found this really gorgeous one. And Aww. I was like, oh, we could have a pod room upstairs. Ooh. Like a little studio. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it is, it is the... That's a, that's a, it's a hard no for now. Okay. And this is our current situation. I can contribute as a person who would be spending a substantial amount of time in your house. Mm. Oh, you could buy you could pay rent like a yeah. little booth. You could do like a booth rental. 
I would love to do a booth rental. I can contribute exactly 20 bucks a month. I love that. That's good. We'll do pay as you can. Yeah. Yeah. That's really all I've got at this point. Sounds good. So. I'll send you an invoice. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? What's going on with you? I'm great. Um, I'm actually gearing up for a big adventure That's this right. weekend. Um, so I am flying down with my dad to purchase an airplane and then flying a big old airplane by myself back. Yep. And by big old, I mean a four-seater, like a super small, tiny plane. And I'm really excited about it. So uh, went out and got snacks. Good. Yep. We got the cheesy, salty, sweet, M&M, like chocolatey, and fruity snacks. So I think we've got all the bases covered for two days. Those are all the food groups. Yeah. Yeah. What else could anyone need? (laughs) So how long is the flight? The flight down is going to happen in two legs. Each leg's going to be like two and a half to three hours. Okay. So you will have a potty break. That was yeah. really where I was going with that. Was oh, like, yeah. What's the bathroom sitch? Yeah, for sure. Potty break. Um, and then on the way back, we're stopping every like two-ish hours mm-hmm. because the plane that my dad bought is pretty small. So it has a very small little gas tank and needs frequent potty breaks itself. Oh, yeah. That's true. Yep, you know, so. you never think about the plane with what the plane needs. <laughs> You never think about the plane. But uh, for those of you who are Patreons in our close friends story for the pod. Oh, yeah. You're going to get lots of pictures and videos. Some inside footage. Yeah. yeah. Um, Beyonce may make an appearance. Okay, ladies. Get information. Mm-hmm. Yep. What That's about always- Lenny Kravitz? Doesn't he sing? I'm on a flyaway. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lenny Kravitz will be there. Um, I'm like a bird. Mm-hmm. Nelly. Mm-hmm. Not the one with the Band-Aid, but the other one. The Band-Aid? Like the rapper. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Enough of He you. was at one time, I was at a Panthers game, and he just like played it halftime. I was like, is that Nelly? It was at so a random game? at a Panthers game, like halftime. It was so I love strange. that for you. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good, like, flashback to, like, the sixth grade, you know? Yeah. Like, back when R. Kelly wasn't a monster. I mean, for he was, sure. but we just didn't know about it. Right, right. Kind of similar time frame. <laughs> a little remix to Ignition. Yep. The way that you just pull out quotes blows my mind that's all my brain does all day is just word association i admire you so much i wish that my brain did even a quarter of what yours does no please mine thinks exclusively in book quotes Mm -hmm. and fried green tomato quotes with the occasional steel magnolia or dolly song thrown in there Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's a very healthy combo that's like a nice green salad you know yeah does that make sense yep um, my, somebody walked into my office and was like, whoa, like, look, my desk is a mess. I know where everything is. It makes perfect sense to me. And they were like, that would drive me crazy. And I like became very aware of my organizational patterns. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I just, you know, I just marched to the beat of my own drum. And you do a great job of it. Thank you. You're welcome. I mean, I feel great. And like I told you, Karian walked into my uh, to the, our podcast room, which is also my bedroom, my marital bed. <laughs> and, <laughs> Not um, to make it awkward. <laughs> there's like piles of just 
clothes. And in my brain, I like, if it's on a Tuesday, I'm like, I'm going to get that on Saturday. Yeah. Like, I just, I can only think, but so far, it is what it is. It is what it is. Uh, one of my friends has recently been posting on her Instagram story about putting rooms to bed at night. Oh, and, like, okay. just a cute, like, cozy little, I need to put my dining room to bed and, like, make it look nice and pretty and happy so that it can sleep well. And I was like, this is a really delightful way to personify a room and make me more motivated to clean it. Thank I you. I love that. I do that in the morning. You wake your house up? I wake my house up. Here's what I do. Tell me. I wake up. Uh-huh. I go into the kitchen and I put water and essential oils into my essential oils thing. Sure. And feed Dolly. Right. And then I put the pillows on the couch. I fluff the pillows and I fold the blankets and I take whatever is messy. And then I open up the blinds so that the light comes in. Mm -hmm. And then Obi and I go for a walk. That's a beautiful way to wake up your house. He goes back to Azkaban for a little bit. Uh Uh-huh. And and then I drink my coffee. I love that. Mm -hmm. It's really nice. It's really nice. I love I do it on purpose. I love that you have this purposeful morning Mm -hmm. routine. Yeah. It makes me feel... It makes me feel good. And then Ray is in charge of making the bed. So the bed is always made when I get home. From your walk with Obi. No, because he's, he's still in the bed. Oh, okay. He's definitely still in the bed. He wakes up when I go to work. Mm. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so that was when you work for yourself. I'm so jealous. Yeah. It must be really nice. I know. There's, I don't know if I've said this on the pod, but like when you when you leave for work before your partner, there's like you'll be like looking at them and they'll be like asleep in the bed and his little bald head is exposed under the blanket. Aww. And you want to give him a little kiss on the forehead. And then you also want to shake him awake at the same time and sure. be like. If I have to be awake, so do you? Yeah. Yeah. It's a little combo, a little shrimp basket. You know. Not that I live with a partner, but I can really relate to that very deeply mm-hmm. because neither of my cats are morning animals. <laughs> mm-hmm. And when I get out of bed, they both go and immediately replace where I was laying. Oh, those bastards. And it pisses me off because I'm like, you're fucking cute. <laughs> I should shake you awake so that you're as annoyed as I am uh-huh. that we have to go downstairs. Yeah. Um, and then eventually they come downstairs, but they don't get fed until the nighttime because otherwise they wake me up really early right oh so you did make that change oh yeah oh good yeah so they get fed at night now is moby still eating your hair he is not so i had this really delightful i met moby's first mom Mm -hmm. i don't think i've told the story on the podcast um but i so moby was a rescue which Mm -hmm. i think we talked about when Moby was found, um, he had a tail still. And the person who found him um, actually lives in my hometown, took him to the vet that I used to work at. The vet amputated his tail. He ended up in a rescue that was near my dad's house or where my dad grew up. It's like all these really weird things. Turns out the person who rescued him also lives in Greensboro Mm -hmm. and is studying social work Mm -hmm. at the same school that I went to school at. What the craziest thing about this is We met for coffee maybe a month ago, and we were talking about the day that she found Moby, and it turns out she found Moby within 30 minutes of me putting Leo down, Mm -hmm. which just gave me chills. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Like, we both kind of teared up at that moment. She showed me a picture on her phone with the timestamp. I pulled up on my Instagram because I posted that day, Mm -hmm. and it was just like this really beautiful moment. Wow. But since that day when I met her... 
Um, I think I gave her a hug at the end. I got home um, and Moby came and sniffed me for like five minutes and since then has not eaten my hair. Wow. Yep. That is wild. I know. Now he still wants to play with it. Like uh-huh. if I'm sitting on the couch, he'll still like come up and put his paws in it, but he's not eating it anymore. He lost so. his appetite. You know, oh God, they're just, that's just wild. I know. It's such a cool story. So I met up with her again today for lunch. So I think we're going to be friends. I love that. Yep. I love that. And I, I think that's nice because Moby then can smell her. Yeah. She's going to pet sit for me at some point when I'm traveling. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. She's a student. She's still, you know, I don't think she has a car on campus. So she can go and stay at the house and watch the boys for me. Yeah. She wants to meet Oliver. So. Oh. I love it. I love how everything's intertwined. I do, too. Speaking of things being intertwined, we have a podcast about that, don't we? We sure do. I'm really excited about this week. It's a Friday. I love recording on the weekends. Recording during the week is, you know, great. Also fun. Yeah. Also fun. But there's something like knowing that I get to sleep in tomorrow and I can just like fully invest in your story. I'm ready to listen and also probably interrupt you. (laughs) Perfect. I can't wait. So, uh, my my topic this week, um, I don't actually have a great lead-in for it, so we're just going to jump right in Let's because, do. you know, sometimes notes are just like that. Oh, yeah, especially when you haven't read them for a while. Yeah, or when you get super excited about the end of the notes, and mm-hmm. then you don't go back up to edit the beginning, Yeah, which is exactly what happened this week, <laughs> and you will find out why. So... My very first sentence here, no lead-in whatsoever. Mm-mm. The Mandela effect occurs when a large group of people believe an event occurred when it did not. Yeah. Whoa, Mandela. Nellie Mandela. <laughs> so, of course, we're going to be talking about Nelson Mandela. Um, we're also going to be talking about the psychology behind the Mandela effect and different theories. And then I'm going to read off 15 of my very favorite Mandela effects because did I Google them and go down a very long rabbit hole that took way too much time? Yes, I did. Absolutely. Absolutely, I did. So the Mandela effect got its name um, when Fiona Broom, who is a, quote, self-identified paranormal consultant... detailed how she remembered the former South African president, Nelson Mandela, dying in the 1980s in prison, although Mandela lived until 2013. Yeah. I remember this so vividly. I remember being in middle school and watching a documentary on Nelson Mandela's life. I was in seventh grade. I remember my teacher. Mm -hmm. I don't remember her name right now. Um. But she wheeled in the cart. We were all so excited. <laughs> oh, my God, the cart. And he died in the 80s in prison. That's what the Do thing Do you remember said? this? No, I, I lived in South Africa in 2011. So I've always known that he was very much alive. Like, I saw his house and stuff. Yeah, but you didn't remember, like, hearing in middle school that he had died? No. Wow. I have this very vivid memory. Though we were also learning about Gandhi at the same time, so it's very possible that I just kind of mixed the two up. Okay. Because he was definitely dead at that point. Gandhi. Yeah. I don't know when Gandhi died. Gandhi, when did you die? We need our Ouija board in order to... That's right. I mean, we do have computers in front of us, so we could Google it, but that seems like a lot of work. It's a lot. It's too much. Yeah. So Broom could describe remembering news coverage of his death and even a speech from his window about his death, yet none of this happened. If Broom's thoughts had occurred in isolation, 
That would be one thing. However, Broom found that other people had believed the exact same thing as her. So she starts poking around asking her friends and is like, wait a second, didn't you think he was dead? Because I thought he was dead. Mm -hmm. And everyone was collectively like, yeah, he died in the 80s in prison. But if he died in the 80s in prison, he would have never been president. Because he was president in 92. I did not factor any of this in. My brain went yeah, straight yeah. to he died in the 80s in prison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the last thing I heard about South Africa for mm-hmm. many, many years. Mm-hmm. Until um, The Color of Friendship. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that movie at a level that I cannot describe. It was good. It was it a was fan so fave. Yeah. I have a friend in South Africa who had never seen that movie. I wonder if she's ever seen it. We should reach out and ask. We should cover that for something. I we don't. should just watch it. <laughs> Let's just go back and watch it. I'm sure it's on Disney+. Plus. I'm sure it is. Yes. Oh, friend night. That would be great. Let's do it. Okay. So what causes the Mandela effect? There are lots of different theories. Um, A few of them very scientific. At least one is not. (laughs) So there's first the idea of collective false memories. A false memory is a psychological phenomenon where a person recalls either an actual occurrence substantially differently than the way it happened or an event that never happened at all. So firstly, an individual who holds a false memory maintains some certitude and the veracity of the memory. Oh, big words. Uh, Speaking of veracity, I have a great grandmother who, or she's deceased at this point, but she used to say, you have the audacity to question my veracity, a lady of such sagacity. Oh God. And I was learned this at like six years book? old. Wow. Yeah. Did she have an umbrella that flew in a bag that had a bunch of shit in it? Because that sounds like some Mary Poppins shit. It does sound like some Mary Poppins shit. I do not know. Unclear. Unclear at this time. You have the audacity to question my bro? Yeah, I think that's it. Secondly, a false memory deals with not forgetting something that actually happened, but remembering what had never taken place. So... Another option is inference, which is the distortion of a memory of the original event by new information that can be described in retroactive interference. Oh, for sure. That's like when you get shown a photograph or something, right? And then you like have a false memory about it. Yeah. 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 So in other words, the new information interferes with your ability to perceive what you formerly believed to be true. So you are shown a photo that directly contradicts with the memory or, um, like, you have this memory and then whatever you just said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the effect of misinformation, which has been the subject of investigation since the 1970s, demonstrates two significant shortfalls of memory. First, the weakness of suggestibility reveals how other people's expectations can shape our memory. Mm-hmm. So if someone is, like, expecting you to remember something then you are more likely to remember it the way that they are expecting you to. Mm. I'm going to start that part over. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to share a quote from Saunders and McLeod's article in 2002. They say, firstly, the weakness of suggestibility reveals how others' expectations can shape our memory. And secondly, the drawback of misattribution unveils how the memory can misidentify the origin of a recollection. These findings have raised some serious concerns about the reliability and permanence of memory. Mm-hmm. It is very malleable. Yeah. For like... Ev- oh, absolutely. Like 
the ways that people and we're about to talk about leading questions oh yeah but the ways that people can suggest things or um like if you see something one way i mean you we know that the truth is comprised of multiple perspectives Mm -hmm. so there's the way that you see something the way that i see something and the way that it actually happened so i think that that's what this is really trying to get at is the way that i see it and the way that you see it we can influence each other enough to distort the way that it actually happened oh for sure yeah it's also like about meaning too like if i say something to you and i and you like misinterpret what i'm saying then we just have two completely different right ideas about what just happened yeah exactly there's also an issue of leading questions uh misleading information or incorrect information given to a person after an event can have um can distort the way that someone remembers things this is leading questions are most often a concern like in witness testimonies and like interviews by the police is uh-huh. Like I'm thinking SVU mm-hmm. is what just automatically pops into my head. But when there's like an eyewitness of an event and they're questioned immediately following the event, um, like their brain, whatever questions are asked are what's going to be solidified in their brain, whether or not it's accurate. So, for example, a leading question might be, um, did you see the man crossing the road? Mm-hmm. The word the suggests that there was a man crossing the road. A non, the word the suggests that there was a person crossing the road. The use of the word man indicates that there like that yeah. there was a man. A better non-leading question in this case could have been, did you see anybody crossing the road? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So thinking about ways that questions are asked, help, which helps build memory, is really important. Oh, for sure. One thing that I didn't realize is that it's possible for individuals who um, are experiencing obsessive compulsive personality disorder to have memory deficits or poor confidence in their memories because OCD is um, obsessive compulsive disorder. Uh, The obsessive part of this is ruminating on thoughts. Mm -hmm. So people who are ruminating on their thoughts are more likely to shift smaller details or um, just not trust that they're not shifting small details, so they don't trust their memories quite as readily as someone who hasn't been obsessing about that thought or about that memory. Wow. Which makes so, that much, makes so sense. much sense. But I'd never thought about You're it before. You're just racing through all of the outcomes. Like, mm-hmm. God, how many times have you obsessed over, like, the way you said something? Right. Like, oh, my God, what if they took well, it? Yeah, or the way that I said something, I obsess about it to the point where I don't, I'm not 100% convinced what inflection I used or mm-hmm. what tone I used. Yeah. So then I go back to that person. I'm like, hey, did I say this thing in this way? And they're like, no, you were totally fine about it. Yeah. Um, but the obsession of that thought is what creates doubt in the memory. Oh, yeah. And we're going to do more stuff with memory, which is why I'm breezing past a lot of this. I just want to point out a couple of different things that could impact the Mandela effect. Yeah. Okay. There's also false memory syndrome in which an individual's identity and relationships are influenced um, by incorrect recollections, but are very much strongly believed. So even when presented with evidence, you may or may not actually believe in your false memories. Mm -hmm. And again, we'll probably go down the rabbit hole of false memory syndrome at a later date. 
Um, Do you have any, like, shared memories with a sibling? I, but you only have one, but my sibling. brother does not remember anything before college. Oh, yeah. Maybe high school. He might have a few memories from high school, but he remembers almost nothing from our childhood. Interesting. Yeah. That's a whole other episode. <laughs> <laughs> Let's unpack my brother <laughs> yeah, right. in an episode. My, my mom and my aunt both are like adamant that they were the one that experienced this one thing. Really? Relating to a dog in the neighborhood. Uh-huh. And my mom is like, that happened to me. And my aunt is like, no, that happened to me. And they like, they're in their 60s and almost 70s. And they're still back and forth about yeah, this. About who Ooh. saw the dog do the thing. I wonder if Jacob and I have anything like that. I'll have to like go down the list and compare all of my strong memories and see if he even remembers any of them. Perfect. Bring and that if up. So <laughs> let me know. We'll, we'll follow up here in a couple of episodes. What about you and your sister? None that I can think of off the top of my head. Hmm. Um, my mom has this really strong memory um, of when we had Ayaka, our Japanese exchange student. And my mom used to like write notes on our bathroom mirror mm-hmm. every day. And I remember one Saturday like waking up and... Let me preface this. I don't know that I actually remember this or if my mom has just told me the story enough times that right. it has become a memory, yeah. which very much goes in line with this. But my mom is adamant that this happened. Okay. So she wrote on the mirror, the child who loves me the most will clean the bathroom. The way that my mom tells the story, I woke up first, went to the bathroom, ignored the note, went back to bed. Then Jacob woke up, went into the bathroom, wiped the mirror came into the room that Ayaka and I shared and said, Ayaka, mommy wants you to clean the bathroom. Mm. And then Ayaka gets up in her always cheerful way and says, okay, mommy says so. Mm -hmm. And like goes and cleans the bathroom. I don't know that any of this actually, I mean, there's some truth to like my mom was writing notes on the mirror. Mm -hmm. That's where you get it from. Yeah, for (laughs) sure. I don't remember going in the bathroom and Jacob doesn't remember anything. Right. Um, and Ayaka doesn't remember this, but my mom just thinks it's the funniest wow, story. Wow, interesting. When you tell a story for so long, it's like nothing. It's like telephone. Yeah. It's nothing like what you started. Well, and it's also a funny story, mm-hmm. and I now tell it as if I remember it vividly. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's possible. It's just not one that stood out to me at that moment. Right. Even, even, so I surprised my family for Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. and... I mean, they told the story probably five times to, like, five different relatives who called to Mm -hmm. say Happy Thanksgiving. And every time, it just got more detailed and more (laughs) grand about my entrance and, you know, who was in on it and everything. So, and it develops quickly. Oh, that's so cute. I mean, I hope that's how they remember it. Yeah. You know. Well, and I read at one point a long time ago that, you aren't really remembering the thing that happened. You're remembering the last time you remembered it. Oh. And I don't know that that's true or not. I did not or research maybe, it. Maybe that feeling. Yeah. How did it make you feel? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, feelings are very closely associated with memory. Mm-hmm. So I love that they have that memory of you, even if it is a little bit more yeah, uh, dramatic than 
how you remember it. That's like the sensory. That's like sm- the the smell thing. It just brings mm-hmm. you. Speaking of South Africa, I had <laughs> this one. So when 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 I prepared to like live abroad for six months, I did a semester abroad at University of Cape Town, and. I was like, all right, I got to pack all my lotion because I'm like obsessed with lotion. And this one particular kind, I bought like three bottles and it lasted me a minute and I smelled it years later. And it was like, I it, I swear I had a vision. I was standing in my room in South Africa. Really? It was wild. Yeah. Oh, how cool. That is the, the strongest time that's ever happened to me. That's sensory. Like, so situation. I had one... That, and I haven't thought about this for years, but my grandmother wore this very specific perfume. Mm-hmm. And somehow we ended up with a roll of wrapping paper that must have been in her house at some point because years after she died, I smelled this wrapping paper and it oh. smelled just like her. And I oh. swear it felt like I was hugging her. Oh my goodness. That's yeah. really cool. Yours is really cool too. Smell is just the weirdest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it kind of, this is a whole rabbit hole that we're going down right now, but it makes me wonder, I know that hearing for a lot of people is the last sense that goes, like as you get older and, you know, you lose your faculties, Mm -hmm. but I wonder if the sense of smell is actually the last to go for some people. Like Hmm. if you were to surround people with smells that were familiar to them, would that bring them as much comfort as like music does? I don't know. That is a great like thought. Wouldn't that be cool though, to be like, you know, 99 years old hanging Mm -hmm. out and someone just brings you the sweater with perfume from the person that you love. Oh my God. Like how cool would that be? And, and, I think that, yeah, smells are so, like, personal and significant. There's no way to be able to be like, oh, do you like jazz? Like, would you like to hear some jazz? Or, like, you know, you just yeah guess music from a decade. Do you think that person is from? But smells are so personal. Oh, absolutely. That is a really cool thought. That's like um, Ray filmed um, one time in a nursing home. They brought in, like, uh, virtual reality things so all of these um people in this so all these people in the assisted living facility were able to like go to the beach and hike a trail and like fly in a helicopter and all of these cool things that they couldn't do and just like seeing what joy that brought them that's incredible great how cool i've been thinking a lot about the black mirror episode uh san junipero with um the girl from The Greatest Christmas? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, happiest Season? Happiest Season? That one. Whatever. That's the one. Yeah. Um, that episode is what that reminds me of, like being old and yeah. having this like virtual reality where you can like see people and yes. meet people. And mm-hmm. if that's what the afterlife is like, check me, like Sign check me for up. me. Yeah. Sign me up. Mm-hmm. That would be really amazing. That would be cool. Oh, wow. We did kind of go down a rabbit hole a little bit. For sure we did. Um, Let's get back on track. Let's do it. Okay. So a lot of this work was pioneered by Sigmund Freud. Oh, no. Of course. Uh, As well as Pierre Genet 
and research on false memory was immensely benefited from the contributions of American cognitive psychologist Elizabeth uh, Loftus. Now, I started to incorporate more information about Elizabeth Mm -hmm. on this and then realized that she is super fascinating. So I'm going to give you a little blurb about her, but we will be coming back. She is on my list now. Cool. So Elizabeth Loftus was born October 16th of 1944. She is an American cognitive psychologist and an expert on human memory. Mm. She has conducted research on the malleability of human memory and is best known for her work in the misinformation effect and eyewitness memory, Mm. as well as the creation and nature of false memories, including recovered memories from childhood abuse. And she has come up with several theories of her own. Really, really neat person. So we're coming back to her later. The last option for where Mandela effects come from is probably my very favorite. Okay. Conspiracy theorists believe that this is an example of proof of alternate universes present in society or a glitch in the matrix, so to speak. Absolutely. It's evidence of the multiverse. Absolutely. Honestly, it makes the most sense to me. Checks out. If Neil deGrasse Tyson can believe in the multiverse, by golly, so can I. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Birds aren't real. They sit on power lines to recharge. Did you see that thing? I did. Okay. <laughs> Post it on Instagram. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And, and oh, God, there's people who, like, legitimately, like, go home and, like, get online and yeah. talk to other people who think that, too. I know. Uh, Jacob posted on his Facebook recently a thing about it was a <coughs> aisle at the grocery store mm-hmm. and um, it was a Tim foil aisle and there was a piece of paper under it that said uh, free hats with every purchase. Oh yeah. It was really funny. I did see that and I didn't get it until Tim foil hats. You just explained it to me. <laughs> I've seen that everywhere this week, like legitimately everywhere. Have you really? Oh my God. That's so funny. You know, <laughs> signs. I always think about signs when they're all sitting together in the living room and they all have their tinfoil mm-hmm. hats on. Uh, How I, did I not get that? I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> well, you just submitted it for, to all of our followers. I know. So. I know. Don't judge me. No, no one's judging harshly. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> um, especially considering how much we talk about conspiracy theories. Yeah, I know. Aliens. I failed you. I apologize. It's okay. Now you get it, though, and mm-hmm. that's what's most important. So I would like to read you some of my favorite common Mandela effects. Okay. And I want you to tell me, like, how many of these... Like, we're going to talk about each one, obviously. But, mm-hmm. like, keep track of okay. how many you got right or wrong. Okay. All right. Number one, Nelson Mandela's death. He died in 13, but many people remember him dying in the 80s. I got that one. How do you spell Looney Tunes? L-O-O-N-E-Y space T-U-N-E-S. Okay, that's correct. I thought it was L-O-O-N-E-Y-T-O-O-N-S. Like oh. the two, the double uh-huh. O in each. Uh-huh. Yep. That's just what I remember. I'm a genius. Either that or you are not susceptible at all to Mandela effects. You have only ever existed in this timeline. Maybe. Uh, what about the Berenstein Bears? Uh, how do I spell it? Yeah. B-A-R-E-N-S-T-E-I-N. Bears. Perfect. 
Except that it's wrong. It's B-A-R-E-N-S-T-A-I-N, bears. Okay. So one letter off. Uh, number four, Curious George never had a tail. Huh. Huh. I remember him very vividly. Where'd it go? He's never had one. He's like Oliver, never had a tail. Okay. Unlike Moby, who did have a tail and yeah. no longer has a tail. Yeah, we don't talk about it. It's yeah. Bad. He's sensitive. Yeah. Okay. This one, I did not know until I started researching today, mm-hmm. um, but just blew my mind. It's not sex in the city. It's sex and the city. I, I did know that one. I did know. Did you really? Yes. Yes. But... That's not how anybody says it. No, it's sex in the city. Yeah, you have sex in the city. Exactly. It's not sex and the city. Why would it be sex and the city? It makes no sense. That makes no fucking sense. Okay. I'm glad you're at least on board with why that one is wrong. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Even if you knew the correct answer. We recently watched them all, which I'd never done as, you know, because we were too young. It was so good. Oh, funny story. So my mom goes like eh, 10 years ago goes up to her best friend and says, I just found this amazing TV show about these four women living in New York city. Like she's describing sex in the city, uh-huh. which was, had been in reruns oh, for yeah. like 10 years already. Yeah. But my mom had just found it and thought she was onto this like brand Aww. new thing ahead of the curb. That's sweet. Yeah. How do you spell Febreze? F E B R E E Z E. Except there's only one E there's, it's, not a double E. It's not F-E-B-R-E-Z-E. a double gotcha. gotcha, gotcha. Yep. Which I thought it was the double E too. Yeah, yeah. Double E makes more sense. Uh, this, is just, this is just like a spelling test. <laughs> <laughs> well, not this next one. Okay. The Monopoly man does not and never has had a monocle. That's, that's Colonel, not Colonel Mustard. Colonel Sanders has the monocle. The peanut guy does too, I think. You're right. But the Monopoly man does not. I think they're all related. Probably. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They're like the bald ones. They have very similar energy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the Fruit of the Loom logo has never had a cornucopia behind it. The Fruit of the Loom has never... What's a cornucopia? It's like the... Uh, the cornucopia the thing of love. That you put fruit inside. Uh-huh. That has a thing you see them a lot for thanksgiving isn't that the thing in the hunger games at the in the um the cornucopia is that what they call it the, yeah, yeah yeah the center right thing? i think so but this is like a pastry or something a something of carbs oh oh and it houses all of the fruit yeah, yeah. it was never in the fruit of the loom design okay but i remember very specifically being there huh Maybe I'm just hyper susceptible to <laughs> Mandela effects because all these blew my mind. Okay. Here's one that even avid Star Wars users or users, <laughs> even avid Star Wars aficionados. Uh-huh. L- not listeners. Watchers, viewer, viewers. Sure. Uh-huh. People get wrong. C3PO mm-hmm. has a silver leg. He is not all gold. Huh. Is he? He Not. has a piece of silver on his right leg. Interesting. Below the knee. Below the knee. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Huh. Um, the quote, this, we're at number 10. The quote is, quote, life was like a box of chocolates. End quote. Was it? 
or life is like a box of chocolates. Mama says life's like... Life is like a box of chocolates. But apparently the real quote is life was like a box of chocolates. Mama said life was like... Okay. He kind of, you know, uh, mumbles it together. Sure. Um, Lord of the Rings fans can help us with this one. Okay, I'm here. Oh, uh, no, I'm going to get it wrong. Gandalf mm-hmm. says, blank, you fools. Do you know what the blank is? Flee. <laughs> you didn't get either of them. Most people think it's it was fly. run, you fools. It was fly. It's fly, you fools. Fly. I meant fly, and then and then I said flee because I was flea, afraid fly, of being mosquito. wrong. Uh-huh. It's fly. I'm embarrassed. It's okay. I'm a terrible. <laughs> um, number 12, we are the champions. Feel free to sing it with me. I'm mm-hmm. Freddie Mercury. Does not end with of the world. There's piano after I can hear it. I don't know. What, it does not. What does it end? With? It doesn't. It never it's just, ends? we are the champions. Huh. Okay. Yep. Um, this one is a little different. So a lot of people say that they distinctly remember seeing a comedian in a movie called Shazam. Like with Shaq? Is that the Shazam? Except they're confusing it with the movie Kazam starring Shaquille O'Neal. Oh. But who was it? Sinbad. Most people think Sinbad was in Shazam, but they're actually confusing it with Shaquille, who was in Kazam. Oh, okay. So Sinbad was never in a movie called Shazam. That movie does not exist. The limit does not exist. (coughs) I'm sorry, I've got something in my throat. Fascinating. McDonald's fries on the way over. Oh, I'm not a big, you know. Did, I stopped for the Sprite and got the you fries. Got a Sprite? I did. I love that for you. Thank you. I almost got you a Coke, but it was actually like an hour before I was coming over and I didn't want it to be gross and melted. I appreciate that. You're welcome. I thought of you, though. I can't handle anything fizzy at the moment. Oh, that's fair. In my delicate condition. Uh, number 14, Smokey Bear is actually Smokey the Bear. Yeah. Yep. And number five, uh, or I'm sorry, number 15, Billy Graham died. Billy Graham Parkway died? Uh, uh-huh. In 2018. Apparently it was aired on TV and had a huge group of people watching. Huh. No one seems to remember that he died. Interesting. I haven't thought about Billy in a minute. Not since we were on the Billy Graham Parkway. That's right. Yep. So those are some of the most common Mandela effects. Interesting. I'm really kind of disappointed that you didn't like fall into any of them i'm sorry i cannot help i'm a genius i (laughs) my leg is so asleep right now all right what are some um i'm trying to think about things that i have remembered incorrectly ray schools me on shit all the time he's like no well what were we talking about when i left here the other day oh and i remembered a movie with martin um martin lawrence and Ray doubted me. It was uh-huh. the Black Knight. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Yes, that is correct. So that was a correct memory, but I did question it for a moment. Well, I, I'm sure that's... Everybody gets certain actors confused, too. Oh, so, absolutely. You know, like Amy Adams and then all the other ones that look like Amy Adams. Or Kira Knightley and What's-Her-Face, who look the same. 
Kira Knightley. Um, who looks like her? Uh, Kira Knightley's in um, Love Actually, right? That's Kira Knightley. Yeah. So okay. who's in uh, Pirates of the Caribbean? Also Kira Knightley. Okay. There's somebody else who looks just like Kira Knightley. Hang on. This one we is worth a Google. Worth a Goog. Natalie Portman. Oh, okay. They look so much alike. Yeah, yeah. Natalie, Natalie's in. Uh, I was obsessed with um, V for Vendetta. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I had a big crush on her for sure. And then Zoe Deschanel and Katy Perry look a lot alike. They do. It's kind of creepy, actually. Have you seen Zoe Deschanel has like she like doesn't have bangs and like seeing her without glasses and without bangs? Google her. Google Zoe Deschanel without bangs. I don't like it. Just check it out. Please react into the microphone when you're ready. What? I know. Excuse me? Mm-hmm. She looks like a different person. She would be like, who is that? I would not recognize her. No. Without her classifiers. Look, yeah. Mm-hmm. What? Mm-hmm. What? Nothing is as it seems. Is this what I would look like without bangs? I'm not going to find out. <laughs> How long have you had bangs? Every few years, I like grow them out a little bit. When we met, but I've consistently bangs. had bangs since like mid elementary school. Really? Mm-hmm. You did not have them when we met. I'd grown them out a little bit at that point, mm-hmm. but I still had like the side swept thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. I just started doing the straight across thing like two years ago. Yeah, that's what I meant, the straight across. Oh, we started that um, just before we met Dolly. Because you went with me to that haircut, and you were like, you need to do a center part in bangs. And oh, I was my like, God. I remember I that. I need to do a center part in bangs. I, the center part did not really stick for me, but the bangs did. That's so funny. That's, that's like, <laughs> in um, my brain, I'm having, I don't know what's wrong with my brain. The movie, the uh, Princess, not Princess Bride, Princess Diaries, when uh-huh. he's like, I, I take this and, <laughs> and this and, and give you a poodle. Prince, a princess. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. We're getting so off topic. Well done. Thank you. Let's stand up and stretch out these sleepy legs. Absolutely. Let's take a quick break. We've got a little, uh, little could have been heroes. There are little things coming on now. Listen to them. They're awesome. Yeah, we'll be back. Do you like stories, fairy tales, adventure, happy, sad, scary things? Do you like fantasy gaming or just enjoy some good collaborative tale telling? Then do we have the podcast for you. Come travel with us in the lands of Un on Could Have Been Heroes podcast. Could Have Been Heroes is an actual play podcast where six old friends adventure as six total strangers who, after missing their shots at Destiny, now get a second chance to make a mess of everything. Tumble down to Faritol, a world cast in the spirit of Wonderland and Oz, but with more murder, blood, and swears. Set in a unique and developing RPG that filters fantasy, horror, pop culture, and other wonderful nonsense through the brains of a bunch of weirdos making their dream game. You can catch Could Have Been Heroes on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And we're back. 
So what topic today are we trying to find intersections with the Mandela effect? Okay, so today we are going to be talking about the really fascinating kind of conspiracy theory. It really kind of, it really honestly goes along very well. We are going to be talking about the Grand Duchess Anastasia Nikolaevna of Russia, a.k.a. Anastasia Nikolaevna Romanov. Romanov. Ooh, I love the Romanovs. I went through a, like, deep middle school fascination with Anastasia. Oh, for sure, because of the, the movie that's not a Disney movie? I know. It's really disappointing. However, she is now a Broadway princess, so that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe I mispronounced. I miss... I... I why do I have a podcast? I literally cannot read. <laughs> I literally cannot read out loud. It's like my sixth grade fear. Come, I don't know. We also literally never look up how to actually pronounce anything. No, I also have not read these since I wrote them. I love that we're here for this. I know. There's no shame or judgment in this podcast. I appreciate it. So this is the story of Anastasia Beverly Hills. Honestly, this is really what it is. <laughs> So let's flash back to Russia in 1917. Does that not sound like a good time? A great time, in fact. So under the rule of Tsar Nicholas II, this is the time period we're flashing back to. So he's in charge of the world's largest army during this time. And he is failing. Mm. Two million soldiers and civilians die during this time period. And the general tone and approval rating of his leadership was plummeting. You don't say. Things are not great for him. Some leadership classes might have benefited him at some point. Mm-hmm. Could go to a workshop. Yeah. Maybe like a... A seminar. A seminar of sorts. hmm hmm Learn how to not kill two million people. You know, no, nothing gives you, you know, builds up your your morale and your really your self confidence than going to a random hotel and sitting in a, a conference room with strangers for eight hours. It's my preferred way to learn. Mm-hmm. So many people felt that he was unwilling to give his own people a voice during this time. He was he was hard headed to be honest, and he just was only interested in making decisions on his own that were not necessarily the best interests sure. of the people. Um. So this, of course, continuing to plummet, um, ultimately kind of heading towards defeat. He was the 18th member of the Romanov family dynasty to lead Imperial Russia. Damn. Yeah. It's a long dynasty. Catherine the Great was one of his relatives who was in charge of boosting Russian morale. This is obviously before him. And taking the country into what they called the Golden Ages. But about 300 years after, everything was falling apart under Nicholas II. Now, before everything blows up in his face, let's take it back to the birth of our main character. Anastasia Nikolaevna Romanov Romanov, was born June 18, 1901. She was the youngest daughter to Tsar Nicholas II and his wife, Zarina mm-hmm. Alexandra Fyodorovna. When she was born, everybody was disappointed that she was a girl. Yeah. They were really hoping for a boy. Yep. To complete, you know, the male heir to the throne. Sure. And she's like the youngest of six at this point, right? I think she has like five or six older sisters. 
Interestingly, her Greek name translates to resurrection. Ooh. Isn't that cool? I feel like there's a little foreshadowing there mm-hmm. in some ways. There are three sisters. There are three sisters and a, and a boy. I'm pretty sure there's four kids. But oh, we'll I thought get, there were like six or seven kids. We're, we're going to get it. It's somewhere in my notes. Okay. I haven't read these in a minute. So it, we're just going to be going through this whole thing together. There later is a son. A son is later born to, you know. Alexei? I don't know. <laughs> so even with the brother and the other sisters, Anastasia developed a reputation for being very charismatic and likable. She's very funny and quick-witted, even when she was a child. Stories are told of her being able to hang with the adults in conversation, which is honestly like the best compliment you can have as a child to be like able to like hang with the adults. Yeah, I think it's also a sign of childhood trauma, but that's a conversation for another day. Mm. You're right. Being a kid and hearing like you're an old soul and all yeah. that stuff is being able to come to the dinner party. Like yeah. I have like memories in Charlotte about wanting to like stay up and hang out when my mom had friends over mm-hmm. and she was like, go away. And I would just <laughs> like sit and just like listen to their conversations. Yeah. There was an incident um, when she was younger where she was playing a game with a group of people and she cheated to win the game. And of course, like the members of the court knew that she cheated, but it left a bad taste in their mouth. Quote, Anastasia's daring occasionally exceeded the limits for acceptable behavior. She undoubtedly held the record for punishable deeds in her family, for in naughtiness she was a true genius. And Gleb Botkin, son of court physician Yegeny Botkin, who later died with the family at Yekinterberg. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Anastasia sometimes tripped the servants and played pranks on her tutors. As a child, she would climb trees and refuse to come down. Once during a snowball fight at the family's Polish estate, Anastasia rolled a rock into a snowball and threw it at her older sister, Tatiana, knocking her to the ground. Which has happened in my old neighborhood as well. Well, growing up with siblings, I feel like some Mm -hmm. of it's inevitable. Oh, yeah. Somebody puts a rock in the bucket. That's what it was for me. Mm. No, you suck on the uh, snow to turn into an ice cube and then you put that inside the snow. Oh, my God. Ruthless you are. I had a little brother. A distant cousin, Princess Nina Georgievna, recalled that, quote, Anastasia was nasty to the point of being evil mm. and would cheat, kick, and scratch her playmates during games. She was affronted because the younger Nina was taller than she was. She was less concerned about her appearance than her sister's. Haley Ermy Rivers, a best-selling American author and wife of an American diplomat described how 10-year-old Anastasia ate chocolate without bothering to remove her long white opera gloves, <gasps> which is like a what? no-no. Yeah. End quote. That's wild. The audacity of a 10-year-old mm-hmm. to eat chocolate without removing her gloves? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she was a little bit of a scandal. So people liked her, but I think they were also kind of afraid of her. Well, I feel like she was a little precarious. Yeah. Precocious. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I personally admire that in children. Yeah. She was a little bossy. She knew that she was like, you know. I mean, she's also the youngest of a bunch of sisters and the last one before, like, the ever-treasured boy. Yeah. Like, she's got to make her name. Yeah. What's interesting about how she was raised, however, is that despite all the wealth and the power that the family held, the children were responsible for cleaning their own rooms. Oh, good for the parents. Mm -hmm. They also slept without pillows unless they were sick. Um, And instead of large, lavish beds, they slept on cots, Hmm. which is fascinating. It is fascinating. I would assume it was like to humble them and just, you know, not give them anything extra that they didn't need. Yeah, but if your family's been in power for hundreds of years. That's a good point. Like, why humble them? It's fascinating. Sounds like trauma. It doesn't sound, it doesn't sound, to me it sounds, I mean, you could spin it in two ways. He's either trying to control his family and you know right reward them when they're good and like keep them below what they can afford or it could be that he's trying to keep them humble what are your thoughts my thoughts are that someone who was raised with a silver spoon in their mouth after hundreds of years of being raised by other people who have silver spoons in their mouths probably don't care too much about humility Mm-hmm. okay we just read, a guess we can read between those lines yeah during World War I, Anastasia and her sister Maria visited soldiers at the private hospital. They were too young to be members of the Red Cross, so they played games with the wounded soldiers. Oh, that's cute. I thought that was nice. In February of 1917, Anastasia and her family were confined to their homes. So going back, it's still during, you know, the war and... Um, her father has is not a, a, a loved leader right, right now. And so um, they're basically confined to house arrest. The Russian Revolution was in full swing. A month later, on March 15th, Nicholas II gave up his throne and abdicated the throne. Gave it on up. The citizens were out for blood at this point, and they had to move the family to another city. Some say that it was Anastasia's idea for the family to sew their jewels into the lining of their clothes for safekeeping, but they did. The doors to the house that they were in were locked and the windows were painted. They were completely blacked out. Wow. It is said that at some point Anastasia was so stir crazy that she opened up a window for some fresh air and a bullet nearly hit her as it was fired through the window. So spirits in this confined little space were low. There was nothing to do. Some sources I read said that, like, Anastasia was the light that kept everyone motivated during this time. But I don't really know. My guess is she probably was driving everybody pretty crazy. Oh, my God. I bet. That's a good point. (laughs) One night. Any kids in that situation, I feel like it would be. Literally quarantine. Yeah. But, like, you're. But worse. Yeah, but worse. You're like, yeah. Imminent danger. One night, quote, the family was awakened and told to dress. They were told that they were being moved to a new location to ensure their safety in anticipation of the violence that might ensue when the white army reached Yakenturnberg, which is where they were. Once dressed, the family and the small circle of servants who had remained with them were herded into a small room in the house 
in the house's sub-basement and told to wait. Alexandra and Alexei sat in chairs provided by the guards at the emperor's request. After several minutes, the guards entered the room by a soldier uh, named Yurovsky, who quickly informed the Tsar and his family that they were to be executed. The Tsar had time to say only, what? And turned to his family before he was killed by several bullets to the chest. It is commonly stated that uh, he was shot in the head, but they later found that um, when they examined his skull, when they finally found his skull, he wasn't. The Tsarina and her daughter Olga tried to make the sign of the cross. They tried to cross themselves, but they were killed in the initial uh, volley of bullets fired by the executioners. The rest of the people were shot in short order, with the exception of Anna Demendova, Alexandra's maid. Demendova survived the initial onslaught, but was quickly stabbed to death against the back wall of the basement while trying to defend herself with a small pillow she had carried into the uh, sub-basement that was filled with precious gems and jewels, end quote. Some accounts say that the bullets ricocheted off the corsets of some of the women because the jewels were sewn into them. Right, and that's part of the theory about, like, there were a whole slew of people who believed that Anastasia survived mm-hmm. because of a brooch or something that had been... Mm-hmm sewn into her corset. Yeah, we're going to get to it. There are two different reports stating that Anastasia was both shot and or stabbed to death. So we have theories start coming out. The media gets involved too because people want to know where the family is. Mm -hmm. So they kind of release information. They're like, okay, so Tsar Nicholas II is dead. Right. But it's kind of unpopular to murder the the family the royal family and all those kids so they Mm -hmm. did keep it quiet for a long time yeah uh, because that would have not been very good for them so anastasia and her family are dead or perhaps she wasn't killed at all 10 women over the next 50 years claimed to be anastasia the best known of which was anna anderson Between 1920 and 1922, Anna adamantly stated that she was Anastasia and that a guard had taken pity on her when he discovered that she was still alive. She stated that her and her younger brother were the sole survivors. The guards took pity on them and helped them escape. What's interesting is that in the 1980s, bodies of the family were discovered they had been shot and bu- and buried, and acid had been poured over them. All but one of the sisters were there, and all and the younger brother was not there. So they they knew that they had all but one sister, but they couldn't tell which was which. Right. So technically, this story would have checked out if Anastasia, if this person claiming to be Anastasia, said that she ran away with her brother. Right. That they were the only two that survived. She fought legally in the courts from 1938 to 1970. However, the courts finally decided that she did not provide enough proof. She died in 1984. 
and DNA proved that she was in fact not related to Tsar Nicholas or Zarina Alexandra. DNA is a bitch. (laughs) DNA will get you every time. Every time. Every single time. Yep, can't fake that shit. They were so excited in the 90s. They tested everything. They're like, let's dig everybody up. DNA testing for all. (laughs) You get a DNA test and you get a DNA test. Another claim from Nadziva Ivanova Vasileva and Eugenia Smith. (laughs) Uh, They claimed to be both Anastasia and her sister Maria. They said that a priest had taken them to safety and that they had lived with nuns. Oh. Isn't that nice? It is. A little sound of music. <laughs> little uh, sister act. Mm-hmm. So even if these people aren't the real Anastasia, is it possible that she did escape and her body is out there somewhere? Didn't they find her body? In 2007, <laughs> a group of volunteer <laughs> historians, like... I want to be a volunteer historian. I, that's my life's goal. A volunteer historian. They would, like, take weekend trips and, like, whenever they had their spare time and they would dig around and their, like, their whole purpose was to try to find these bodies. Oh. So, on August 23rd, 2007, the bodies were finally found very near to the site that the other family members' bodies were. I remember when that happened. Yeah. So all bodies of the family are now accounted for, and all rumors are put to rest on whether Anastasia or her brother were still alive. Yeah. Well, so I was a bit of a nerd about this family for a long time. And from what I remember, there was also a theory that Anastasia may have survived, but Alexei had a bleeding disorder. He was a hemophiliac. Mm -hmm. Hemophiliac. Um, so there was like this thought that even if Anastasia had survived, if he had been injured at all, he wouldn't have made it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was really no way for him to have made it out. And then when they couldn't find his body, they kind of assumed that they buried the two youngest together, may mm-hmm. have killed them separately. But it's interesting why they either they, so, I mean, they killed them all together or they were still alive. Yeah. And that they were taken to a second location. Right. That they possibly had to, were, uh, a lot of times people are like forced to help these people right. bury the other people. Oh, how tragic. That would have been really sad. Yeah. Especially children. Mm-hmm. I feel like you would do that to the person that you hated the most. And I can't imagine why they would hate the kids the most. Well, the kids might have been the only ones alive. Well, I guess that checks out. But they, they, yeah, they just brought them into a room. They're like, all right, everybody. And then you two sit in, sit in this chair. Yeah. And then um, we're here to execute you. That's really scary. That is really scary. But it, it's interesting the facts that still come through, mm-hmm. which is the, the jewels in the clothes. Right. Which is what some people said saved their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a unique detail. Um, I wonder how many people knew about it at the time. It's a great question. Or maybe related to a Mandela effect. Or maybe. Or maybe that was a... Co- I mean, I've heard of people sewing thi- like yeah. precious things into their clothes. So Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I feel like that, that was actually probably pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. Or at least a really cool conspiracy theory, if yeah. not accurate. Yeah. Um, but I just... I think the story is so fascinating 
because there were so many people who claimed to be Anastasia. Mm-hmm. Um, like, even before they had found the original bodies, other people were already saying that they were Anastasia specifically, which I think is just so fascinating. Why? I mean, I get it for money and, and power and attention. But, but why like, not one of the other sisters? Great point. Yeah. That's a great point. And and the fact that she was found separately, that's still a, such a unique thing. Because later when they did find the bodies, they could only find... I don't know. It's just... It's, it's interesting. It's a weird story, for sure. And then to not have found them until 2007. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we... I don't know how much testing was done at that point to, like, determine how much longer they may have lived mm-hmm. or if that's even possible if they poured acid on the bodies. I don't know if Anastasia and, and the brother had acid. Oh, okay. Um, I'm not sure if they did, too, but I know that the other ones did. Uh, do you want to hear a weird thing about um, DNA testing? Yeah. So, apparently, in some of the southern central U.S. states... There was a woman whose DNA was found at over 200 crime scenes. Um, <gasps> some of them she? were murders. Some of them were robberies. Um, like, at first, police thought that they had a mass killer on their hands. Um, but none of, like, none of it checked out. Sometimes there would be, like, male DNA and hers. Sometimes it would just, like, hers would be the only DNA at the scene. Did she, did they have like a person associated to it or no. it was just like this mystery this woman? This mystery woman. Her DNA was not to be found anywhere else. Mm. Could not figure out who this woman was. Fast forward, uh, she was working in a um, factory mm-hmm. and helping with Q-tips. So when they were doing the swabs, her DNA was on the swabs what? because she had manufactured the Q-tips. Oh, my God. Yep. So her I thought DNA, you were going to say she was an EMT or something. No. Her DNA ended up across multiple states that uh, is at, like, cool. 200 crime scenes. Oh, poor woman. Right? Oh, my um, goodness. Poor thing just cranking out Q-tips or swabs or whatever. And all of a sudden, the police roll up, and she's like... They're like, you are America's <laughs> most wanted right now. Wow. Yep. That is wild. Yeah. So when you were talking about everyone getting DNA tested mm-hmm. and how we went DNA crazy for a while, DNA is not always super reliable. Yeah. We're finding that out more and more. Mm-hmm. At least it's not the blood type thing, though. Like, l- DNA is very transferable. Right. But if you have, uh, you know, fluids. Yeah. You know, that's a good time to use DNA. But For sure. But, um yeah not it, it can, i mean there's like literally like people who work for hospitals and like first responders who have been charged because their dna right you know, they go to one location and then they go to another and then yeah yeah um another thing i think i remember and i guess this is also kind of an intersection but anna um mm-hmm. who believes she was anastasia what's her last mm-hmm. name it's not Smith. Smith. Was it Smith? Is it? I thought someone else was a Smith. That was Anna A. something. Anderson. Anna Anderson. Um, so kind of a link up here. From what I remember about her, because when I went through my Romanoff phase, 
I remember reading a lot about her. She genuinely believed that she was Anastasia. Like, she was given lie detector tests. Um, she was questioned multiple times by multiple people. She had this very intricate story. Like, she... I think that's who the Anastasia movie is based on. Huh. Um, like, a lot of it... Like, there were things that she knew that other people didn't know or couldn't have known. Mm-hmm. Um, so, when we're thinking about, like, false memories or the way that memory functions. Oh, my God. Or even, like, creating memories. Mm-hmm. How fascinating to get to that point where what started out as a, like, we know she wasn't genetically related to them. Right. And we found the body. Right. But what started out as a lie, like, she very much became. Believed. Yeah. That I think that's the case for a lot of people. If you tell a lie enough, yeah, it's, it's the truth. Well, and and who knows also like who who might have planted that seed. I know, right. you know, we I didn't do my notes fully on Anna, so no, that's okay. Um, I just think that it's really fascinating the way that brains and memory work. Mm-hmm. And I'm definitely interested in doing another episode. Maybe that's when we can pair up on, and you can do a history about a memory thing too. Oh yeah. Let's collab. Let's collab occasionally. Let's do a collab with ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of fun when we do. I know. I like knowing what you're covering beforehand. I do too. Um I think there's still some fun to like figuring it out as we go. Oh, for sure. But that is that is a really good intersection though that um it, literally relating to memory and that's a good point about Anna. Yeah. Fully believing you're somebody that you're not. Yeah, I'm sure that there are also some Mandela effects that go along with Anastasia. Like, we'd probably have to do some digging to figure out what they are. Mm-hmm. But, like, um, maybe some people believe that her body was found before it was. Mm-hmm. Or some people think there's a talking bat that yeah, follows her around. For sure. Some people think that there was a snow globe. Mm-hmm. And the dark of the night, evil will find her. Um. In the journey to the past. <laughs> I like when he goes, I gave her a ha and a hi yeah and a woo <laughs> and I kick her, sir. <laughs> I have not seen that movie in so long. Oh, so random memory. I remember my mom and dad used to get us um, these audiobooks that we would listen to on airplane trips down to Florida. Mm-hmm. And we would have the book in front of us and then like the headphones and then the Walkman. Because that's oh, yeah. with the tape, and then you listen to it, and it reads the book to you. And I remember the music for Anastasia being, like, super creepy. Mm. And I, like, had to fast forward because it would scared. just spook me. Spook you? It spook me. Oh, spook little baby CA. Yeah. That's adorable. I'm very delicate. Oh, delicate flower. Well, very good. Great job this week. I've enjoyed this trip down memory lane with you. Oh, it's been so nice. History and psychology. Who knew? <laughs> who knew that we'd ever talk about memory? I know. We have a whole episode dedicated to memory on our history and psychology podcast. Very I cool. I love it. Me too. Uh, well, let's wrap this one up because we got another one coming at you soon. That's right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts slash iTunes. If you're, you know, having a Bones Day, if you're got or some spoons, warm gerbil day, mm-hmm. let us know. We love y'all. So much. support us. Think twice. <laughs> if you're out there, keep listening.
Thank you for listening to Podcast Without an Audience. Find us on social media at Pod Without an Odd. You can find us on Instagram or Facebook. Or find us on the web at podcastwithoutanaudience.com. Shoot us an email at podwithoutanaud at gmail.com. Our cover art is created by an actual angel, Ashley Acevedo. Our music is by Zach Smith and Ted Oliver. Editing by Jacob Beeson. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and all of our nerdy content. Please consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us today. Oh, and check out our Patreon for exclusive content and our pasta recipe. Again, thanks, and keep listening.